0: You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Tomball, Texas. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org. So it's uh, thankful to be here with you this morning. Um, I'm, uh, my name is uh, Pastor Sergio. My wife with me, Sophia. Uh, we are coming from downtown area of Houston, and it's a privilege to be able to be here today sharing the Word of God uh, with you. So if you can turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. And as I read through the text, uh, what I want to be focusing on is what it looks like to follow Jesus. Following Jesus. So we start verse 1 through 11. This is what the Word of God says. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets and getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's. He asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boats. And when he had... Finished speaking, he said to Simon, "Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch." And Simon answered, "Master, we toiled and let down your nets for a and let down your nets for a catch." And he said, "Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets." Verse six. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners. And the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Verse 9 For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed Jesus. When I look at this passage, God has used this to minister to my soul as a reminder, as a gracious reminder to me of what it looks like to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. When we look at the first part of the text, we see that Jesus was ministering the Word of God, and they say that people were pressing in to Him to hear the Word of God. Well, we see that the Word of God. Is central to everything that Jesus was doing, both in his life and ministry. Ministry. We see that the audience that was there were fishermen. See that they had two boats. Now, the next thing that we notice is that the fishermen had just finished fishing, they were washing their nets. Then Jesus goes to where they were at and he gets into their boat and he asks them to pull him out for a little bit. And he starts ministering the word of God there. But what we are seeing in this passage is that Jesus went to their workplace, Jesus went to where they were at and began to teach. Well, we see that following Jesus means that we will follow him in everyday rhythms of life. Jesus stepped into the ordinary rhythms of their life. Jesus didn't create a big event for them to come. He didn't do a big old crusade for them to come. Jesus went to where they were at. And so should we as a church. We should not wait for people to come, right, to the building. The church should go out to where the people are at and the everyday rhythms of life. What would some of those rhythms be? The workplace, at family gatherings. We just had Thanksgiving. It's going to be Christmas and New Year's Eve. Great opportunities. The social events or our children's sports or at the grocery store can be at any place, following Jesus. Therefore, following Jesus is not just about Sundays, but every day of the week. So what does this mean for us today? That God's word invades our lives, not just on Sundays, but every day. But there's a struggle with that. There's a struggle because we live with a dualistic mentality. What do I mean by that? We allow God into one compartment of our lives while all other compartments are labeled secular. There's a separation between sacred and secular. Sacred, this is God's time, like today. Sunday we're gathering. And secular time, which is my time, which is like work or recreation or, or sports events. This is my time. There's a separation. Jesus, I give you this part of my life, but I don't know about this area. Jesus, I'll allow you to speak into this area of my life, but I'm locking up this other area. Jesus doesn't want to just visit us on Sunday. He wants to walk with us every day, every day, walking with Jesus. But let us observe the tension then that was with Peter, the tension that Peter had towards Jesus. Look at what verse 4 says. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and have caught nothing. Can you imagine what was going on in Peter's mind? Probably saying, Jesus, the carpenter turned preacher? What is he going to tell me, a fisherman, how to fish? Simon had no objection in Jesus using his boat to preach. Jesus had turned that boat into a pulpit and he began to preach. But the moment that this boat then turns into a fishing boat again, you have no right to tell me how to use my boat. No longer do you have a say so, Jesus. I mean, you're just a carpenter. What are you going to know about fishing? You see, as long as Jesus uses the boat for preaching, Sunday mornings, sacred time, I'm cool with that. I'm all right with that. But the moment you begin to speak to me about how I should fish, secular time, my time, then we begin to have a problem. The struggle becomes evident. You see, some people will listen and even consider what Jesus says. No, when they feel sick, Jesus, I need you to heal me. In the ministry, Jesus, I need you to help me. But when Jesus begins to open up those compartments that we've shut down, that we've put away, then we begin to struggle. We begin to create excuses. Like, I don't know about that, Lord. You see, what we see in the text is that the word of Jesus hits home here. Because the word of Jesus invades the privacy of their own workplace. Jesus wasn't waiting for them to come to church. Jesus was going to where they were at. So following Jesus then means that the word of God will invade every area of our life. So what compartments are we hiding away from the Lord? What area of your life is Christ speaking into today but have not surrendered? Those compartments that are sealed up may be because of hurts or unforgiveness, or the pain of betrayal. What is the word of Christ speaking to you today? See, we serve a good master, a gracious savior, a merciful savior. And the grace of God reaches the darkest places of our lives and is restoring us, restoring us back to himself. He is healing us. But I ask you today, what compartments are we not allowing the Lord into? It's one area of following Jesus that the word of God is going to invade every area of our lives. And it's not just for Sundays or when we gather as community groups, but it's every day of our lives. The next thing that we look at is about following Jesus is learning to trust him in all circumstances. Look at what takes place. We see in verse four that Jesus finishes speaking and he tells Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. You see, Simon was listening to Jesus preaching. He was listening to what Jesus was teaching Now, he gives an opportunity for him to practice what he just learned. So, it's not just about coming on Sunday and hearing the word of God and putting up the Bible, and that's it. It is what did God speak to you today? What has God shown you in his word? And what is he calling you to do? What area of our lives is he calling us to trust in where we're struggling? Trusting in him in all circumstances. Believing Jesus, taking him at his word. But th- these are the objections that Peter was having. He says, Jesus, we toiled all night. I mean, we toiled all night and we caught nothing. We worked hard. We tried many times. We labored and we labored, and yet we caught nothing. There's no results. No results. But Jesus is calling him to try again. Jesus is telling him one more time, Simon. But I've been investing all this time already, Jesus. I've been investing all this time and yet I have n- not gotten no results. I've invested into my family and still no results. I'm serving in this ministry and still it is not growing. Or maybe today you've been walking with the Lord and it's just too difficult. And You begin to feel like giving up. There's still no change. Me and my wife have experienced what it is to be reaching out to our relatives. And time and time again, we're thinking that finally they're going to get it. And all of a sudden, they begin to steer off again. They claim to us that they know Jesus, but all of a sudden their lives just fall off. There's this struggle there. And we're like, we've spent years investing into them. In the community that we're in, there's brokenness everywhere. You're investing into the people that you're pulling off the street, and the Lord begins to do a work in them. And all of a sudden, the addictions begin to rise up again and they're getting to drown again. he are like, Lord, I've spent all this time and still nothing. And you begin to beat yourself down and you begin to say, why am I even trying? But Jesus tells you to continue to cast the net. But Lord, I don't know about that family member. Cast the net. But the ministry is not growing Cast the net. Lord, I'm having a hard time following you. Continue to cast the net. What is Jesus calling you to do today? What area of your life are you struggling that the Lord is calling you to continue to cast the net, to continue to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? In Hebrews 11, 1, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. It doesn't say that faith is the assurance that you get because of the things that you've seen already, the results that you've already looked at or the spreadsheet that you put together. It doesn't say that. What it does say is the conviction of things Not seen. Peter had not seen no fish, no catch, no nothing. If anything, he probably saw was the rest of his guys getting tired and he was getting tired, but still no catch. See, let us fast forward a little bit because later on, Peter's having another situation with Jesus. When Jesus calls him out of the boat... And Peter steps out in faith. But what begins to happen? The storms hit, the wind hits, and his focus shifts away. Fear begins to grip him. And fear will grip us from stepping out in faith. There's a fear that tries to drown us. There's a fear that tries to keep us from stepping out in faith. Because we don't know if we step out what's going to take place. What if it doesn't work? What are people going to say? It doesn't matter what people will say. We are not governed by the opinion of man. It is What is Jesus telling you to do? To step out in faith. So following Jesus means that you are learning to trust him in all circumstances. What are you dealing with today? Lord, I don't know about that relationship. What is Jesus telling you? I don't know about going to my relative's house for Christmas because last time we were there, all hell broke loose. So I don't know. What is he calling you to do? To trust in him. So following Jesus, there will be a struggle. But God is calling us to step out in faith. To cast the net and see how Jesus will turn our ordinary into extraordinary. Look at what happens. So, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I could already see Peter's face. At your word, Jesus. We'll go ahead and throw the net again. Verse 6. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish. And their nets were breaking. That they signaled their partners to come with their boats. And what began to happen to their boats? They began to sink. The Lord turned this ordinary moment into an extraordinary one. This miracle not only impacted Simon, but the people around him. And I tell you that when God begins to work in your life, you're not the only one that will be impacted by it. But the people closest to you also will be impacted they will know that something has happened. Something has taken place. And I'm grateful to the Lord because I'm reminded that years back when the Lord saved me, he impacted my life. And through that, all of a sudden my mom began to come back to, to the Lord. And through that, few years later, now my sister's starting to serve the Lord Jesus. Now my other sister starting to serve Jesus. And I'm like, Lord, that could have only been you. is faithful he's faithful he who began a good work in you is faithful to continue to work in you and through you what is he calling you to do so now as we are learning following jesus means that his word will invade our lives but not only that, that we're going to be learning to trust him in all circumstances. But the next area that we see is that following Jesus, we can follow Jesus out of wrong motivation. We can follow Jesus because other people are doing it or because someone else is telling us to do it or because our parents are dragging us in here. We can follow Jesus to try to please man, but the way that we follow Jesus is because it is him that is fueling our motivation. It is Jesus that is driving us. Look at what we find in the text. So at this moment, the boat began to sink. Both of them were filled and they began to sink. Verse 8 says that Simon Peter saw it. He saw the astonishing catch. Now, follow with me. This is probably one of the greatest catches ever. It could be recorded in history. Maybe enough fish to to feed everyone in the village. You would think that probably Simon would shake Jesus' hand and give him a high five. Like, man, praise God. Like, thank you for helping us, right? Right? Or he'll probably be celebrating with the rest of his disciples, right? But that's not what he does. What the Bible says that he did is that he fell down at Jesus' knees. And he said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. The proper response when you see holiness Jesus, the Holy One of God. Jesus there standing before him. Simon Peter didn't know what else to do but to fall at the feet of Jesus. What a powerful picture. When you and I are confronted with the holiness of God. I'm Reminded in the passage in Isaiah where the prophet Isaiah beheld the glory of God. And he said, woe is me, for I am undone. For I am a man of unclean lips. The prophet Isaiah recognized that he was utterly sinful. He even pronounced a curse upon himself. Because when you stand before the holiness of God, you will see your sin. How broken you really are. And Peter, in the same way, was humbled before the Lord Jesus. You see, it was necessary for Peter to see himself that way. And it is necessary that we see ourselves in the same way, that we see clearly sinful, broken before a holy God, a right view of self that keeps us humbled, But this alone can drive us to despair. We must also see our Lord Jesus as merciful, gracious, and forgiving. Look at what we see in the text. That after Simon says that to Jesus, it says that, the rest of the guys were astonished at the catch of the fish. And verse 10, it says that James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And then it says, and Jesus said to Simon, he said this to Simon. He says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Jesus had every right to cast Simon out of that boat. Every right. He had every right to rebuke him right there. But he showed him mercy. He showed him mercy. You see, the brokenness that he experienced drove him to the feet of Jesus. And brokenness would drive us to Jesus. To rest in his grace and his promises. You see, Peter recognized that he was sinful Jesus was holy. That brokenness prepared him, though, to receive mercy and grace from Jesus. Peter no longer had to hide. Shame no longer held him back. Jesus was calling him to himself, and today we can take off our mask. No longer do we have to pretend or perform or try to impress others. And you see, daily we must remind ourselves of this gospel of grace. That we can quit from fearing failure. That no longer do we have to hide our struggles. That the gospel reminds us that there is nothing that could ever be known about you that hasn't already been paid for by Jesus. That the grace of Christ has freed us from the guilt of sin, from shame, and from anything that would drive us to hide. No longer do we have to gain God's approval that's already been set for. No longer do we have to strive to gain God's love. It's already been demonstrated to us at the cross. So it is important that we deepen our understanding of the gospel. It is this gospel of God's grace that leads us to worship. It leads us to a greater appreciation for Jesus' life, his death and his resurrection and his ascension into heaven. That we are reminded that Jesus lived a life that we could never live that Jesus died the death that you and I deserve to have died, that he bore the wrath of God in our behalf. And when we talk about love, it says that God demonstrated his own love to us and that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. But not only that, We know that death could not hold our Jesus down. We know that there was a tomb, a rock, a stone, all of that, none of that. Jesus' victory at the cross demonstrated that he had power over sin, over Satan, and over death. And it is by faith that we look to that. It is his victory that is, it is ascribed to us. It is his victory that is given to us. We deepen our appreciation. Because as we become more aware of the holiness of God. And we become more aware of our own sinfulness. The cross of Jesus Christ becomes greater to us. Everything that he has done for us. And because of that, because of that, we're able to do what happens next. In verse 11, and when they had brought their boats to the land, the Bible says that they left everything. They left everything. This blows my mind here. It says that they left everything and followed Jesus. You know, that last piece, we could just walk through it and not even see what, what it is actually saying there. They had just had the biggest catch ever. More than likely, this could have been, you know, Talked about in the town. Everybody would have known about it. I mean, this is their job. This is what they depend on to live. This is what feeds their family. And it says that they left everything. This is where Simon and the rest of the guys found their identity. They were fishermen. This is where they found their worth. This is where they found their value and significance in. But the Bible says that they left everything and followed Jesus. Let me read a quote to you by Paul David Tripp. It says this, remember that by God's design, we are worshipers. Worship isn't first an activity. Worship is first our identity. That means everything you and I do and say is the product of worship. So the treasures, the things that have risen to the level of importance in our hearts, that rule the thoughts and desires of our hearts will then control the things that we do. So your treasure controls you, right? It controls the things that you do. And what do we see Simon and the rest of the guys do? They left everything and followed Jesus. They treasured Jesus above everything else. And following Jesus means that we must treasure Christ above life itself above life itself but today what are those things that are competing in our hearts what are those things that we're treasuring more than Jesus Christ because what you treasure that's what you will give your allegiance to that's what will govern your heart So what do you treasure today? What do you find your identity and worth in today? Is it success? Because Simon and the rest of the guys had a successful catch. They could have been wealthy for a long time. But they left everything and followed Jesus. What is Jesus calling us to leave behind? What is it that competes in your hearts for those affections that belong to Jesus? What is it in your heart that controls you today? I mean, we're around the corner from Christmas, right? And sometimes it's no longer about Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. We begin to lose the significance of that, the importance of that. And other things take us captive. Other things enslave us. And we swear our allegiance to other things that are not Jesus Christ. So today my question is, What do you treasure more than Jesus Christ? For we cannot serve two masters. For either we will be faithful to one and hate the other. But we cannot serve two masters. Either Jesus Christ is our master or something else is our master. So today, following Jesus... In everyday rhythms of life, means that the word of God will invade every part of our lives. It means learning to trust him in all circumstances. Not just the things that you are seeing that are bringing good results. Not just those things that you know, okay, I got control over this. No, and those things that are way out of your control... And the gospel being that which is motivating us following Jesus. Because, again, we can do it for the wrong reasons. But we're not here to impress nobody else. Me following Jesus is not so I could do a checklist. Oh, got that right. It's because of what he has done for me. I'm reminded of what he's done for me. And that leads us to that place of worship where we're treasuring Jesus Christ above all things. It dismantles those idols in our hearts. And no longer do we cling to what the world's remedies are, but now we're looking to Jesus Christ, our true, our true treasure. Let us bow our heads. Holy Father, I ask you today, Lord, that you would search our hearts. God, that you would remind us, Father God, why we do what we do. Though what it looks like to follow you, to follow you, whether it be at work, with family, friends, Wherever it may be, learning to trust you in all circumstances, oh God. But also, Lord, daily reminding ourselves of the gospel of Jesus Christ, daily applying the gospel to us, that it would fuel our obedience. But I thank you that you take us to that place of worship, Lord. The place where our hearts are filled with awe. And I thank you, Lord, that it is in those places, Lord, God, that we, the struggles of this world, they become minute, the worries of this world, they begin to evaporate because we begin to behold the glory of our Christ I pray, Lord, today that you would give us a glimpse of that glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org.